Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Netanyahu out, Naftali Bennett in. Yeah, there's real danger in Israel right now. It can't be denied. There's real danger in Israel right now. We're going to get more into it. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, at Tony Katz. In the meantime, Republicans have introduced a resolution to censure Ilhan Omar, and Democrats are like, oh, no, we're not going to have that. That's not enough. That's not enough. I have got the piece coming out uh, today. You'll be able to see it, if you can't see it already, at TonyKatz.com. Ilhan Omar should be expelled from Congress. The question is, why won't Republicans loudly say so? Now, when I say this, what, what are we referring to? Are we referring to Ilhan Omar's long litany of anti-Semitic comments? Well, yes. <laughs> yes, we are, dang it. But the latest one is to compare the United States to, to uh, Hamas and the Taliban. Now, maybe we should all be clear that finally Ilhan Omar has noted that Hamas is a terrorist organization. But she thinks the United States is a terrorist organization. Remember that this is the nation that welcomed her with open arms. The United States opened up their arms to Ilhan Omar from Somalia. She should be the great American story, the representative from Minnesota. She comes to the United States. She's able to have a, a, a life and a career. She's able to become a member of Congress, this bigoted, hateful, racist place. You realize what a crock that is, right? Of course you do. All rational people do. And she hates the country. I have no idea the life of hardship that Representative Omar would have had in Somalia. I have to assume it's better here. Welcomed into the U.S., educated in the U.S., access to the greatest doctors and healthcare in the world, able to speak her mind without fear of violent abduction by any government. As a matter of fact, she gets to be a part of the government, of, by, and for the people. And what does she do? She hates the country that took her in. She hates the country that said, yeah, welcome, baby. She hates it. Now, she clearly hates Israel. She's always hated Israel. She's an anti-Semite and a bigot. There is no other conversation here. She's an anti-Semite and a bigot. In this latest compare, you know, Israel and the United States, uh, Hamas, oh, they're all terrorists. And whoa, you're out of your skull. You're out of your head and everybody knows it. And even Democrats made the attempt to try and rebuke her, led by Brad Sherman out of California and others. This is just wrong, Ilhan Omar, just wrong. But when Nancy Pelosi's asked about this on CNN, oh, no, 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 no. That's how I assume she talks. Uh, no, no, that's my impression, I should say. I know how she talks. We didn't rebuke her. She's lovely. 
You and other top House Democrats released a, a pretty rare statement rebuking her for appearing to, quote, draw false equivalencies between the United States and Israel and terrorist organizations, That's Hamas right. and Taliban. She clarified, she said that uh, she was in no way equating them. But since all of that happened, she and others don't seem to be letting this go. Rashida Tlaib, uh, one of her close friends, member of your caucus, tweeted the following. Freedom of speech doesn't exist for Muslim women in Congress. The benefit of the doubt doesn't exist for Muslim women in Congress. Okay, you know, House Democratic it, it, leadership should be... We just before, and by the way, Nancy Pelosi interrupts immediately. Nancy Pelosi doesn't care about anyone. And people give her way too much latitude. She needs to be spoken to thusly and directly. I, I just discussed it before, I'll discuss it again. But Rashida Tlaib, freedom of speech doesn't exist for Muslim women in Congress? What are you, it's such garbage. She is such a ridiculous, nonsense, garbage liar. She is just so full of it as to be believed. But Pelosi is just, oh no, you don't understand. Let me just say this. Yeah. We did not uh, rebuke her. We thanked, uh, acknowledged that she made a clarification. So mm-hmm. before we go too far down the path. Yeah, I'm predicated. These aren't my words. No, I understand these are, that. These are your caucus that. members' words. No, that's a member. Yeah. That's a caucus member. A caucus member. member. A caucus member. Yeah, so I just wanted to get yeah, your response to that. You know, no, I'm not, I'm not responding. That we, the, the Congresswoman Omar is a valued member of our caucus. She asked her questions of the Secretary of State. Nobody criticized those about how people will be held accountable accountable if we're not going to the International Court of Justice. That was a very legitimate question. Mm-hmm. That was not of concern. Members did become concerned when the uh, tweet that was put out equated the United States with the Taliban well, and Hamas. Rashida Tlaib is accusing you of policing and, 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 and then she clarified it. Mm-hmm. And we thanked her for clarification. Can Marjorie Taylor Greene clarify? Can she clarify? Steve King, can he clarify? No, the story here isn't the idea of clarification. She's a valued member. She, this bigot is a valued member of the Democratic Party? Oh, not only that, no further action. Should any further action be taken against Representative Omar for comments? No. No, I don't. No. No, I don't. I think that she clarified her remarks, and that was, uh, uh, we accepted that, and uh, she she has a point that she wanted to make, and she has a right to make that point. Can Marjorie Taylor Greene clarify her remarks about Jewish space lasers? Okay, don't get me wrong. I don't think it can be done. Neither here nor there. You can't clarify your remarks comparing the U.S. to a terrorist organization or calling for genocide. From the, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Anything you do to agree with that is nothing more than a call to genocide. How about the, the, the latest on her where she retweeted a video by an anti-Israel group investigated by the FBI for possible terrorist ties. When Trump retweets a video, it's the end of days. Oh, there's a difference between a member of Congress and the president. Elected is elected. What's your plan? And this is where it goes to the Republicans. Now, let me bring this up very clearly in Indiana. Because I 
am fully aware that the Republican Party of Indiana is a weak party for a party that has so much power. Because they will not use up any capital on these kinds of things. When Congressman Andre Carson is referring to uh, the love he has for his sister Rashida Tlaib, which he calls Israel an apartheid state and compares it to having Jim Crow laws. I mean, that's, that's some violent talk. And the Democratic Party of Indiana says nothing. Right? They won't hold Andre Carson accountable, the bunch of no-rent cowards that they are. Not because I say so, but because they are, right? I called out Marjorie Taylor Greene for Jewish space lasers. I didn't necessarily agree that she should have the committees taken away. I don't think she should have been expelled. I thought it was a dumb thing to say. I wasn't about to defend it. And I've told people in the piece, I'm like, don't defend the Jewish space lasers thing. Just, just, just stop it. Just like I don't condone the people who use the Holocaust to move their political points, right? The Holocaust is not a prop. It's not your political crutch. I don't like it when Republicans do it. I don't like it when Democrats do it. The Democratic Party can't say that about themselves because they will never speak honestly about how to make their party better. They're out there pushing the American Rescue Plan. They don't even question whether or not Hoosiers like it. They don't. They don't care. Their job is to do whatever they are told, and that's how they get paid, and there is no thinking to what actually will work in the country. And they won't even call out anti-Semitism. The problem is the Republicans won't either. The Republican Party of Indiana should be demanding apologies from Andre Carson in such a loud voice that even the Indianapolis Star can't ignore it, even though they would desperately want to. They should be calling for his, his, his apology. They should be calling for his remorse. And may, I would argue to an extent his resignation, although that's more me personally. They should be doing it morning, noon, and night. Members of the General Assembly, members of the congressional delegation. You pal around with Rashida Tlaib and her bigotry? You won't condemn Louis Farrakhan? You have no place representing Hoosiers. What the hell, man? But they don't do it. Republicans, they're going, they want to censure Omar. What? What kind of garbage is this? They want to censure Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, and Rashida Tlaib. They've said things that publicly support the actions of a recognized terrorist organization. Well, why don't we just call it what it is, providing aid and comfort to the enemy, and expel them from Congress? But at the very least, you could do that with Ilhan Omar at the first. Republicans who are not demanding loudly, aggressively, raucously that Ilhan Omar be expelled aren't worth a dime. And I will remind you that the midterm elections are only 18 months away. They're not worth anything. They need to get their act together, Republicans do. Demand that Congress be a body where this radical bigotry is not tolerated. And when a member calls for genocide of a people, Republicans need to march into Speaker Pelosi's office and demand a vote to strip that member of their committees. 
And when they get called racist by members of the squad, they need to tell those members to sit down and that the defense of bigotry will not be tolerated. You got to get into a plain old yelling fight with Rashida Tlaib and tell her to sit down, that bigot. Andre Carson, sit down, you bigot. And any of the people who support you like the media. When media thinks Marjorie Taylor Greene is the enemy of humanity, but Ilhan Omar is just misunderstood, there's a reason you are referred to media as the enemy of the people. You do it to yourselves. Maybe you should stop. I wish you would stop. It would be better if you stopped, but you don't stop. Okay, we're going to stop paying attention to you. This is why CNN's ratings are, are, are in the garbage. I mean, I got to assume amongst other reasons. There could be other reasons. And we're going to look for other outlets. We're going to stick with talk radio because it's the only honest venue left. It is, by the way. We are the only honest venue left. That's so obvious. But if Republicans won't demand it, If Republicans won't demand of Jim Acosta and Don Lemon and Joy Reid and Chris Hayes and the New York Times and the Washington Post and you meet J.L. Cinder, that their defensive bigotry will not be tolerated, of what value are they? If they won't walk into Pelosi's office and demand that Omar be expelled, of what value are they? What what are you so afraid of? These people already hate you. They're already going to call you bigots. They're already going to call you everything under the sun. Stop worrying about that. Get loud. Make demands. Be unreasonable until Ilhan Omar is out of Congress because that Jew hater's got to go. That America hater has got to go. People who pal around with Jeremy Corbyn, the anti-Semite of the UK, have to go. There is no need for her to, uh, w- what's the word about her comment? She needed to, to explain them out? What's the word I'm looking for? Clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we know what she is. She, she hates Israel. She hates Jews. That's Ilhan Omar. And so does Rashida Tlaib. We know this. We don't need anything else. But Republicans won't stand up to them. Democrats won't call them out. Democrats are trying to uh, push away this, this uh, resolution. You already heard Speaker Pelosi. She won't condemn Ilhan Omar. I think you got to triple down on that. I think you got to do it for the good of the country. I think you got to do it for the good of mankind. I think you got to do it because it has to be done. And if you want to discuss it politically, you have to do it because that's what they do. Don't you know how to fight already? I mean, that's true of, of, of Republicans in D.C., but the Republicans in Indiana, don't you know how to fight already? These woke Democrats, J.D. Ford, is okay with this bigotry? In Indianapolis, City County Council, Zach Adamson and Allie Brown are okay with the bigotry? The Democratic leadership, Lana and Giaquinta, are okay with the bigotry of Andre Carson? And his support of Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib? And you won't say so? Eric Holcomb, the governor, he goes to Israel. It's an important thing to do. He doesn't even talk about it. Me writing about it is the most press he's gotten on the damn subject. 
I swear to you, Republicans, the midterms are coming for you as well. If you won't loudly and raucously demand that Omar be stripped of her committees and expelled, if you won't raucously demand that Andre Carson apologize for his despicable support of bigots, and never mind his own bigotry, if you don't demand that he be condemned, what value do you have? You won't even fight for this. Yeah. As I said, midterms are only 18 months away. I'm Tony Katz. So I was reading in the IBJ, the Indianapolis Business Journal, in their forefront section, which is an opinion section, which I guess I got to start contributing to because, man, do they need it. Uh, a piece from, from Claire Green, Claire Fidian Green, who, who I've met before and is lovely and, and is uh, part of uh, the, uh, the Mitch Daniels Leadership Foundation, where, where I'm a fellow. Um, she's also the president and CEO of the Richard M. Fairbanks Foundation. She's writing about how the state should invest in the emotional needs of students and um, how uh, SEL programs, social emotional learning, are also effective at helping to curb substance misuse, providing a dual benefit of preventing substance use and disorder while also strengthening SEL skills. What is SEL? Um, how to manage emotions, address conflict, and develop resiliency. The problem is, is that when you hear about these things, they sound good and they sound, you know, kind of bland in, in their approach, how, the, how they're utilized in today's world, um, is to set a, the idea of these managing emotions by setting innocence and guilt. It's part and parcel with what's going on with critical race theory, which I've got more to, to get into for sure. And I will be. Oh, we are nowhere near done with the subject. Um, what, what a mistake it is to, to not recognize how these things are being utilized in political fashion and how they hurt our kids. Because the idea that the process by which children and adults acquire and effectively apply the knowledge, attitudes, and skills necessary to understand and manage emotions, set and achieve positive goals, feel and show empathy for others, establish and maintain positive relationships, and make responsible decisions. Well, I'm in favor of those things. I'm not in favor of the school setting those things because the school has shown that they have an agenda and that agenda simply cannot work for my children nor anybody else's children. And to not note that, but to yet push that, I think is, I think is a mistake. And Indiana has to start asking itself what it's going to allow and not allow in schools. And that's why you're seeing parents speak out. Well, I think speaking out against social emotional learning should be part of it. I'm Tony Katz. play the best audio of the weekend the best audio of the weekend is mike pompeo on with chris wallace 
over there at Fox News Sunday, and Wallace is like, "You you don't really think the uh, uh, the uh, COVID came out of out of a lab?" Let me let me ask you let me ask you a question. We put real pressure on the Chinese Communist Party, and we got very close to being able to make a laydown case for what actually happened and how this virus came to kill millions of people around the world and destroy billions of dollars in wealth. We know enough now. The cover-up continues, and it's time for accountability. So just to button this up, and I want to ask you about one more question. Do you believe that the virus came from a lab leak from the Wuhan Institute? I do. The look on Chris Wallace's face. Oh, oh my gosh. It is so it is so incredible and amazing. He is dumbstruck. Dumb struck is the only way I could describe it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Listen again. Just to button this up, and I want to ask you about one more question. Do you believe that the virus came from a lab leak from the Wuhan Institute. I do. <laughs> it's, oh, the silence, I don't even know if the silence does it justice. It's so good. By the way, I think if you ask most Americans, it's, it's there, yeah, it came from a leak. It, it, it leaked in the lab. This, 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 this is what happened. I don't even know why you would want to somehow defend against it. I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Fine. But of course it's possible. Of, and I'll argue it's probable. And I will say until I see evidence to the contrary, that's where I'm at. It leaked from a lab. I don't even think that's the end of times. It just leaked from a lab. Now, the cover-up. Oh, that's a mother blanking story, kids. That's a story for sure. So as we were discussing and you heard us talking about, Benjamin Netanyahu is is out. And I want to make sure I go over some of this again and a basic understanding of, of what's going on. We're going to learn more about the politics of the new prime minister, Naftali Bennett. Naftali, N-A-F-T-A-L-I. Now, Naftali Bennett has a history, right? Former defense minister. He was a Netanyahu ally. Uh, But as you read more and more and more, uh, clearly wanted power and cobbled together this this government. Uh, Israeli politics is insane. It really and truly is. What you have is governments by committee. Coalitions. So this party, there are 120 seats in the Knesset, right? They're, they're Congress, if you will. And, and so this party has 40 seats, and this party has 13 seats, and this party has eight seats. Well, that's 61. So if they can all get together and agree to share, the person who represents the largest party becomes prime minister, and then they, these other people get their, their, their minister spots, their cabinet positions, and they get a, a, a say at the table, right? You put together the committee. So somebody who only has two or three seats is able to engage 
and have a lot of power. And this was very true of, for example, the, the ultra-Orthodox in Israel, with whom I have a problem. Look, I'm, I'm Jewish. I, I, don't, I don't shy away from that. But I do have a problem with the ultra-Orthodox in, in Israel. The idea that you think that people who are Orthodox shouldn't have to fight in the military is wrong. They are wrong as I see it. Uh, I don't think Israelis, as I have met and discussed, you know, spend too much time upon this subject. But the idea that you think there should be some kind of special rule for you, I think does not jive with never mind decency. I don't actually think it, it jives with the religion. I really and truly don't. And people could come at me on that one and I sleep just fine. and I'm willing to listen. But Bennett put together what you're hearing and what you're going to hear about in your social media feeds is the idea of a unity government. Naftali Bennett has a unity government to topple Netanyahu. First of all, toppling Netanyahu is, doesn't make us uh, in the world safer. Yes, I'm talking about the United States. It, the, the danger has really begun for Israel. And let me tell you, uh, the idea that, that Netanyahu went scorched earth yesterday in the Knesset uh, in, in his farewell, it was supposed to be 15 minutes, lasted 35 minutes. He could have gone far worse. But he excoriated Bennett, excoriated this group, hoped it failed, and said, I will be back. And he said that part in English. He did the whole thing in Hebrew, but his last sentence was, we will be back sooner than you think. That was in English. That was for the world to hear. Netanyahu is a well-trained man. He's the longest-serving prime minister in Israeli history, 12 years straight and three years before that in, in, in the 90s. Saying things like, you know, Joe Biden and his administration asked me not to discuss the problems that we have or disagreements regarding Israel, regarding this or that, but I simply cannot stay silent. And so people are saying that Netanyahu went scorched earth. Oh, hell, he could have gone a lot worse than this. The idea of a unity government. Naftali Bennett was voted in at a vote of 60 to 59. One person abstained. 60 to 59. He cobbled together a coalition by one vote. That is not a unity government. And it's really important that you know it because you're going to hear this from the political left oh look here's here's a video showing dozens of israelis dancing in the streets and here's a video of hundreds of israelis dancing in the streets in every election where netanyahu could not assemble a coalition he was still the top vote getter his party the likud l-i-k-u-d was still the top vote getter it's where Israelis are in the main. Now, uh, I, I think it's Jonathan Tobin who wrote about this um, at uh, the Jewish News Syndicate. I think he made a, a valuable point that Netanyahu's his own worst enemy and has a bit of that, that Trump in him uh, and, and you know maybe taught Trump how to do this in that you know he, he really believes no he's the only one he's, he's ordained he's touched and he has reneged on deals as, as has been described and someone could again prove me wrong one of the people who defected to start this new uh, group is Benny Gantz Benny Gantz defense minister was in a power sharing deal with Netanyahu he would have taken over as prime minister in another year and a half. 
but he left to then join this new group where he will never be prime minister. People discuss Naftali Bennett as a guy who is just power hungry, willing to do anything. That's a problem. And from where I'm getting my sources, I'm, I'm willing to agree with the issue. So Netanyahu got rough and tumble on the way out. You know, basically pulled a Terminator, I'll be back. But I don't think he went as full scorched earth as he could. But where's the danger? I, when, when I got asked about this by producer Ari, right? I, I texted you. you. You texted me, I texted you back, and I said, look, Bennett is not a fool. Former defense minister, he's not happy with Joe Biden and is cozying up to Iran, right? But the, this is the danger. What I had not taken enough of a look at, and I was digging into yesterday as I got back from vacation, which was splendid, I'll get into that, was who he's associated with and who is part of this coalition. And there are definitely people, you can argue, who are too a strong, as we would see it in America, left. A strong left-wing presence. And if you have somebody who is power-hungry, just desperate for the job, they may do things to be able to keep power because this is more important and and more valuable than other things, right? This is part of the danger. The other part of the danger is when someone like Iran sees a power shift, they're like, okay, now is a chance. When other nations, when Russia sees a power shift, when Syria sees a power shift, they say, hmm, interesting. All of those nations that just engaged via the Abraham Accords to have normalized relations with Israel. Well, they thought they were having normalized relations in a way with Netanyahu. Does Israel hold to these things in an Aftali Bennett administration? I don't know. I know that Biden has already reached out. Biden reached out and he did something that I at least approve of in, 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 the, in the reach out. Sending his congratulations and stating very, very clearly that uh, the, the, the relationship with the United States is, is strong. Right? The statement uh, uh, said it. On behalf of the American people, I congratulate Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, alternate Prime Minister and Foreign Minister Yair Lapid. Yeah, that's right. Bennett's only the Prime Minister for two years. And then you've got uh, Lapid, and that's a whole different level of politics. I look forward to working with Prime Minister Bennett to strengthen all aspects of the close and enduring relationship between our two nations. Israel has no better friend than the United States. The bond that unites our people is evident of our shared values and decades of close cooperation. As we continue to strengthen our partnership, the United States remains unwavering in its support for Israel's security. My administration is fully committed to working with the new Israeli government to advance security, stability, and peace for Israelis, Palestinians, and people throughout the broader region. Right? The throwing in of Palestinians is a, is a Bidenism, is a leftism. But there are plenty of people in the Democratic Party going to be wicked upset about that. I would argue that in the main, I, I could not have expected better from Joe Biden. I'm just thankful I got that. As rational people should be thankful they got that. Understand that, that no American's life is better because Israel doesn't exist. But I could argue that many lives will be worse. 
Keeping an eye on what's going on. Big, big deal. Netanyahu out does not have the nation celebrating. It may have Iran celebrating, and that should give you pause as well. I'm Tony Katz. I want to feel just a little, just a little, just a little. Put my heart in the middle, in the middle, in the middle. Wanna live just a little, just a little, just a little. Wanna feel just a little, just a little. So COVID keeps everybody in lockdown, and what do they do? They pay down debt. As reported at WIBC.com, the average household has reduced its credit card debt by 13.5% over the last year. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's a pleasure. Um, the average house household has a balance of $7,500 in debt. In Indianapolis and Fort Wayne, it's more than 9000 That's a terrible number. That's a terrible number. The average household has $9,000 in debt. Well, I say that considering that I have zero. I have zero credit card debt. Zero. You don't have a credit card. I do now. Hey, look at you. Welcome to 2020. I do now. Yeah, for, for so, so, so this was 2009, 2010. I lost everything I owned. Right, uh, I had made a couple different business bets. They all went south. The bailouts came. I lost it all. I never went bankrupt. I settled with the credit card companies that that I had. I paid them off, and I had no credit cards. So I'm done. I'm I'm finished. I am not getting. If I don't have cash, I'm not paying. Now we have one credit card, and we use that basically just to get the points. So we just pay it off at every month. We pay it off. We pay it off. There is no balance. We just pay it off every single month. We're done. But we you take advantage of, of the deals and some of the protections, right? So last summer, I was supposed to be in Israel. But COVID, I couldn't. I had bought the tickets using a check card, not a credit card. It took over a year. I finally got the refund. Took over a year. We're talking about $5,000 worth of tickets. Took over a year to get the refund. Brutal. I think with a credit card, I just would have been like boom, bop, bip, and they would have taken care of it. That'd be. I. I mean, that's that. That's my take. Right. Nine thousand dollars a ton, man. That seems like a lot. That seems like a lot. Maybe that's why everybody's gambling to to pay off the rest. Indiana sports books in the month of May. $254 million in wages. Wagers, I should say. An 8% increase from April. Now, this may be below what you see during football and college basketball seasons, but so what? By the way, is the basketball season over yet? NBA? Yeah. No, it's uh, it's wrapping up, though. What'd you say? It's wrapping up. Oh, so are the finals here? Not yet. We're we're two rounds away, but it's it's coming. All right, you you can see how little I'm paying attention. I mean, it's it just they 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 haven't captured my interest. They haven't gotten me back, and I would like for them to. But I just the only thing I'm happy about is LeBron is out in the first round. 
right? Lakers out in the in in the first round against the Suns, and I was like, okay, that I paid attention to. Maybe because I was just in Arizona, I was on I was on vacation. Uh, producer Ari missed me very much, very much. He he openly wept. And my thanks uh, to to Jake and to Kira Davis and to Cam Edwards for for filling in. Uh, spent a week hiking Sedona. I mean, I wasn't hiking all the time. There was plenty of lounging around, smoking cigars, and doing nothing. It's glor- glorious. Absolutely glorious. I did not do any gambling while I was there either. But that's how I know about the, the Suns, because that was on the news. I know they, the, with the Lakers. And I was like, okay, good. LeBron needs a little hardship in his life. That's my take. But people love to gamble, man. They love to gamble. Right? There was some Indy 500 gambling going on. Right? So while other, other markets don't have, you know, the interest in, in things like that like we do. Although they should. I mean, if, if you can show that the, the betting on the Indy 500 is clearly up in Indiana versus other states, that's something to work on. And specifically surrounding states. They, we should get them interested in it. I'm not saying that people should just run out and gamble. I'm not making that argument. I'm making the argument that you should you gotta you gotta grow out some of that impact. It should be interesting to the people of Illinois and to and to Ohio, Kentucky, and, and Michigan. One one man's take. Facebook Tony Katz Radio and go to TonyKatz.com and get the podcast. You can support the show that way. This is Tony Katz today.